Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can recruit like Jesus. I'm Gian Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Chad. Hey, Gian. Chad, um, this week we have a great host, great guest, excuse me, um, Dan Tudor, who is the host of his own podcast, College Recruiting Weekly. Um, and he has a great recruiting business. If you guys don't know who Dan Tudor is, he's a recruiting specialist um, for colleges and, and athletes. Um, and he helps the coaches um, format their message, um, give them lots of research and studies that have been done to help coaches reach the right audience with their recruits. And this that's why I changed up the intro a little bit. And I said, you know, help coaches to conversations to recruit like Jesus. Uh, Dan does go into a little bit of detail um, into how, how that's done. Um, and he does talk about a lot of things um, but Chad, you had a few thoughts about Dan as well. Yeah, just a, a brief testimony for for Dan. Um, for me, I I got hired as the head coach here at, at age 26 with no college experience. So I had no clue how to recruit. I, I had a tennis background, understood the game, and after that first year, somebody just showed showed me about Dan Tudor. I listened to every podcast, um, read his book, Selling for Coaches, and um, I give a, a, a lot of credit. To, to us build, building a top 10 NAIA program uh, based off of the principles that, that Dan taught. So um, I really like this episode. It's a little different, right? So it's going to more um, help serve the coach to recruit better. And I like how Dan talked about just being a guide and getting joy and helping coaches just do well in their work. And um, by him serving the coaches so well and having a great business, um, he's, he's growing his business and, uh, and impacting a lot of coaches. Yeah, uh, Chad, I completely agree. He provides so much free resources to, to everyone um, that ultimately it does lead to him getting some business. But the free resources themselves are just um, program changing. If you really are applying them to your program, coach, we can't wait for you to hear Dan, his story um, and some of the tips that he shares with us. And we go into it right now. Dan Tudor, thank you so much for being on the Christian Coach Podcast. You were one of the first names we wrote down as our guest, hopeful, wow, when we first started uh, this podcast. What what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Um, well, first of all, I think, first of all, you should aim a little higher. There should be some names above me, but I appreciate the, the sentiment. Um, so the it's, it's such a tough question. I've listened to some some past episodes, so I knew this question was uh, was going to get asked. <clears throat> I think if you look at it, um, what does it mean to be a Christian coach? I don't think you can separate the word Christian from coach. And they 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 go they have to go together. I don't think you can be a coach sometimes, a Christian sometimes. If that's the faith that you hold to, then it has to be one and the same. So look, does that mean that you're doing a prayer before every practice or a um, uh, you, you're mandating a Bible study with your team? No, of course not. Um, there's a lot of coaches that don't coach at a Christian institution like you do. Uh, and there's a lot of coaches that, uh, that, uh, that, are, that just don't have that, that, that kind of setting. So what I think it has always meant for me, because I've, I've coached uh, football, the high school level now in a while, but for over a decade, 
what I was trying to do was give them a sense that there was something different about me, that there was an opportunity to talk, not just from a, from a, uh, a Christian standpoint, but just that they were having a problem, that they needed somebody to confide in, that they just had, you know, so many bad family situations that coaches inherit when they are, are coaching individuals. So being there first and foremost, just to care for your athletes, just to be a, a friend and somebody that they can rely on. And somebody more than just to go in and call plays or to teach them a technique, but to actually form a friendship and a relationship. And I have to tell you the, some of the things that, uh, that have resulted from that for me personally, and every coach has this story, whether they're a Christian or not, that, that takes time to invest this kind of time. Some of the relationships I have with my players continue to this day and it has nothing to do with football, nothing to do with, Athletics, it was the, the fact that there was a relationship built and an opportunity taken to, uh, to form that friendship. So I think first and foremost, that's, that's it. And you could, I could make a biblical case that that's what Christ calls us to do first and foremost. So I think at the core, that's, that's it. The X's and O's part, you know, there's going to be some good <laughs> Christian coaches on the football field or on the tennis court or the, yep. uh, in on the track, and there's going to be some really bad ones. So um, you, you can't take the humanity out of out of who we all are. Uh, but but at the same time, you know, aiming for something a little bit higher, I think that's probably what it means for me. And that's a very imperfect way of, of explaining it, but that's the way that I was tried to to uh, to to carry forward in that way. Yeah, a lot a lot of people talk about influence you know, having that influence for Christ and show, being, being a little different. So others notice that there's something unique about you. Um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Give us a little bit of your background. How did you get into sports? You talked about coaching. Um, and then how did you end up focusing on the recruiting side of, of the sports business? Yeah. So I was a, an, an average to above average high school athletes that depended on the day, depended on my attitude. Um, <laughs> Played a lot of football, uh, some baseball. Got into tennis at the end of my high school career, and that's sort of what what I ended up being good at. Um, wish I would have discovered that earlier. <laughs> Instead of being a mediocre football player, I could have been a, a, a decent tennis player. Um, so, but did that, and and at, coming out of high school, and not to go too deep into it, I didn't want to do. I love I love sports, but um, I had to. Um, I, I needed to sort of carry out this dream of being a sports broadcaster. That's really what I wanted to do. And so out of, um, as I got out of high school into college, that was my focus. I wanted to do television sports, which I ended up doing uh, for about seven years with an ABC affiliate in California. So that was great. Um, but all through that time was really interested in how athletes got from high school to college. Um, and we're talking, you know, a lifetime ago, it seems back in the, you know, we're talking early nineties um, uh, of, you know, going into uh, that, that kind of a, a profession. So did some work with different recruiting services uh, that would, you know, analyze athletes, help get to the next level. Um, there's different versions of that now in, in college athletics, certainly the um, through that though, I, in, in working with these athletes, what I found is the constant question was, I'm not sure what the coaches really mean. So I got this letter, I got this email, 
I think they want me, but I'm not really sure. I don't know what they're talking about. And, and so it, um, it, it sort of dawned on me that they, the coaches didn't ever get the training that I got in the business world and the communications world, how to market, how to sell, how to, how to communicate. And at one point, and I'm beginning, I'm shortening the story just because I want to stay on point with, uh, with you, but there was a, a sort of a, a sense or a realization that coaches needed help with the communication aspect of their job, the non X's and O's part of their job. And that really sort of started as well. I, I know the need, I have no idea how to, how to meet that need because there was no industry at that time. There's nobody doing training. And so I just started giving myself away for free and uh, over, this is now back in, you know, during the early 2000s um, and just met people where they were and from a, from a training side and built it from there. So sort of recognized where, where the need was, what could fill that, um, how do you turn that into a business and a livelihood and, you know, going on almost 20 years, that's, that's turned into something, thankfully, because I love doing it and I love the fact that I can help people in their careers uh, and, and also, again, be that even for a coach who isn't a Christian, be a, you know, a Christian coach to them in the sense that, um, that I'm, I'm helping people. I, I don't care what their belief is. I don't care what their background is. I don't care, um, you know, th that doesn't matter to me. I want to help them be a great coach. I'm meeting them where they're at and that gives me great, great pleasure. Uh, and so to be on some of the, you know, getting to work with some of the staffs we've gotten to work with and the coaches we've gotten to know, um, some of which would I think surprise a lot of people like, wow, I didn't know they would need that kind of help. And that's the thing is that I think all of us in a coaching profession at one point or another um, become very insecure. And there's a lot of need. And then who do you reach out to? You, can't, you reach out to your athletic director. Well, now you're showing that you have a weakness. Do you reach out to a fellow coach? No, because that's going to come by, back to bite you. So yeah. not by design, but just by, by kind of virtue of what we do, we become this confidential sounding board because we never talk about who we work with. We never talk about, you know, give references. Yeah. Everything's confidential. And the work that we do is, is confidential because we want to let the coach take the credit for good recruiting classes. <laughs> And, and winning. And, and so you, when you build that confidentiality, you get a lot of coaches asking you questions or bringing up things that they maybe that I certainly don't feel I'm an expert at, our staff may not feel like we're an expert at, but um, you, uh, you get, you get some really personal conversations, a lot of, a lot of tears shed on, on the phone, um, a lot of crises that you can help maybe solve. And that's, that's the interesting part of what we do. Yeah. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of the, when you become a coach, the first time you become a coach is because you're really good at X's and L's, you know, nobody teaches you the, the business side of, of, of coaching college sports or even high school sports. And so and I'm very thankful that you do the work of bridging that gap. Um, you, you've helped me tremendously. Um, what, what do you think are some of the biggest struggles that coaches are facing when it comes to recruiting right now? I think, well, you, you added the right now there at the end of that question. I don't think it's changed much, actually, in okay. the last 20 years. I think that coaches uh, 
have, they know what they want. They know I, I need a certain level of athlete to put together a strong program. And look, when, when I'm talking to either a Christian university or a Christian coach, the one thing I remind them is that um, you're there at that university because God put you there. And your job is to represent the university uh, because God's put you there. Your job is to represent the university by putting together the best set of athletes that you can do. That's your job. That's your function to represent the school. And certainly, you know, in a larger sense, um, Christ out in the world, uh, in, on, in, on the field or on the court or in the pool and competition. So at the core, every coach needs to recruit great athletes. Do that. Um, if I need to recruit great athletes, then what do I need to do? Well, that's where the problem comes in. That's, that's where the coaches, I think, struggle. They know where they need to go. They know what they need to do, how to get there. They've never been trained. And so usually the struggle centers around communication because most coaches, if they haven't had any training and they're just going to go off their gut, what do they do? Well, they go back to how they were recruited. And they were recruited that way because their coach was recruited that way. And his coach or her coach was recruited that And you can go back several generations and realize, oh, my gosh, nothing has changed in 40 or 50 years. I'm going to send a letter. I'm going to you know, explain why our university is so great. I'm going to say, oh, we've got a family atmosphere or we have this. Everybody's saying that. <laughs> and so kids tell us, you know, it's hard. I know these coaches want me, but I but nobody's telling me why I should come to their school. Everybody's just telling me what they have. I'm not, I, I know what you have. We all have smartphones now. We can pull up, you know, if I wanted to know what Liberty University of Tennis was all about, I don't need you as the coach necessarily to tell me because I could pull up everything I need to know, what your dorms look like, take a video tour of campus, what majors you have, how many acres campus is, everything I need to know about the program, wins, loss, past players, and I don't need the coach. So what do I need the coach for? I need the coach to make the case. Here's why you should come here. And most coaches, that's where they draw the line and say, nah, I don't want to do that because I don't want to pressure them or I don't want to force them to come to you know, Liberty or Clemson or um, a Division three school or wherever it is. And I have to remind coaches um, you know, based on what your tuition is, if it's not a full ride scholarship you're giving, you can't force somebody to come to your school. You can't trick them into coming, you know, and then say, wait, how do I end up paying yeah. $60,000 a year to get this, you know, <laughs> private school education? They just don't do that. Your job is to make the case. They get to decide if it's the right choice, which again, if I go back to it biblically, then I could even give the example of, of Christ. Christ didn't force anybody to, to follow him. What did he do? He asked questions. He let them answer. He had a conversation. He let them come to their own conclusions, but he guided them. Yeah. And so if we follow the same example in recruiting, it's easy. Coaches overcomplicate it because they think, well, I've got to write the better letter. Or we have to be really good this year on social media. That's going to be the secret. No, it's not the secret. Kids don't use social media that much to make final recruiting decisions. So once you understand how they make the decision, then it gets a little easier going back to your original question that you asked probably now 15 minutes ago, I don't think it's changed much. I think coaches have a communication problem. They just don't understand how kids are making the decision, how parents are helping them and what they, what their role is in helping that, uh, that process. Then. Yeah. 
Thank you. That, that was great. I think a lot of coaches will, uh, will enjoy that answer. Um, we have a lot of <laughs> high school coaches who listen to our podcast as well. Yeah. On their side, what can you talk to them? Because they're on the other side of this recruiting process, right? right? What, what can you tell them that would help them help their athletes get to the school that they want to go to? Yeah. So for the, so I've been a high school coach and I know the struggle uh, and I wasn't a teacher at the school. I was always a walk-on coach, but uh, I know that coaches struggle with time, but number one thing is time. I don't have time. I want to help my athletes. I don't have time to help my athletes. Um, And so when I don't have time, everything gets sort of shortened. And even if I have the best intentions, I insert my bias into into whatever my recommendation is for, for one of my athletes. And that might be something to the effect of, um, uh, you know, Hey, work hard. And you can maybe go to the, one of these two division two schools. Cause I went to the coach clinic there. I really liked the facilities. So those are the two schools that I'm going to recommend. Well, I mean, you and I know that's, that's not something that's realistic. You want to, if my, my advice to college, uh, bound student athletes is contact every single coach as as often as and as personally as possible to tell them you're interested in them and why and you you do that work or the coach can do that work but I think we've grown up now in a society where we all like shortcuts and so well if I can I can just hire these people and they'll put my name out Maybe, and that works sometimes, but it doesn't work all the time. Uh, or my coach will, is going to do it for me. And I sometimes, as a parent, would expect my, my coach of the athlete that I, you know, son or daughter to, um, to go out and, and, and do that work. But, and again, as a college coach, you know, you know, if, again, because you have a time crunch just like the high school coaches mm-hmm. do. You have 10 tennis players that are you know, that are, would be good potential. The one that reaches out and keeps in touch with you and contacts you and expresses interest in you becomes the low hanging fruit that they're all good. Which one do I want to go after? I'm going to go after the one that's in touch with me and that's expressing an interest. It's human nature. We want to be around people that want to be around us. And so again, so for a a high school coach that's listening, please encourage your student athletes to contact. Yeah. Their, their dream division one school, but also, what are some regional division twos that interest them? What are the division threes and some NAIA schools? And let the schools kind of help decide what you know where you can go. Um, because as I, I would always tell my athletes, you know, as a as a as an athlete, you don't get to choose where you go to college. That's the one thing you don't have any choice in the matter, unless you're in the top 05 percent. Yeah, you don't choose. You you take the college that wants you, where it's the right fit, and. Yeah. To find that, you know, my daughter um, uh, was a track and field athlete, was a cross-country runner, and if she was looking at schools, I would encourage her, reach out to a lot of different schools, and let's see who comes back. And she had different opportunities at different, at different levels, and that's only because she reached out and was open to a lot of different conversations. And I don't think enough athletes are right now, and not enough coaches are encouraging them because if they're, you know, again, our human nature takes over, I want the kid to go division one because what is the NASA's great things about yep. me as a coach. 
Certainly you see that in tennis. We saw it in football. You see it in club sports. I would, I would ask coaches to pause and say, let's make sure that we're doing the right thing for the student athlete, letting them get out and encouraging them to get out to a lot of different, uh, a lot of different potential college coaches that might want them and let the process kind of run it. Um, and so that, that would be my recommendation yeah. is just be more open-minded, encourage them to be more broad, not focused on their one or two dream schools or where you as a coach want them to go, but where they're actually going to be happy and have an opportunity. Yeah, because you never know when you're going to find a coach that you've never heard of and you strike a great relationship. And that's absolutely that's life changing. Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. It is. And and again, that that comes through the process. And again, if we were taking it from a Christian perspective, let 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 God sort of have a hand in this. Let's not let's not constrict, you know, that work uh, and, and that hand in the process. Yeah. Amen. That's true. Um. COVID put a wrinkle in recruiting because we couldn't leave um, our campuses, D1 at least, um, a a few other divisions could, but a lot of the recruiting budgets got slashed for for good reason. We couldn't travel, so therefore we didn't need that money. I know of a lot of schools that I talk to coaches about, they're not getting that kind of money back, you know, just to make up, offset the costs and the losses that they had. How can a coach recruit efficiently within a tight budget? Well, I think, I mean, again, even before COVID happened, uh, a lot of a coaches lot of- listening <laughs> to this would say, well, we already were operating with it. Yes. A lot of D1s are suffering now too. Right. So yeah, now you're feeling the pain. And <laughs> and look, you know, we can laugh about it a little bit, but it is, it's serious in the sense that the expectation for a college coach, whether it's Division One, Division Three, D2, NAIA, or even a junior college coach, um, heck, even high school or club coaches, the expectations are the same. Win, produce great athletes, support the department or the bigger goal. So the expectations haven't changed. And, you know, privately as coaches, we can complain about it, whine about it, stomp our feet a little bit. Okay, get that out of your system. Now you have to go do it. And so I think that's the first thing. Let, let's just have the right attitude going into, uh, into that. Where do you cut money? Well, sometimes that's, that's decided for you. But if I were a coach from a recruiting standpoint, if I had to identify a waste of money or, or maybe, I mean, let's not put it that way, an area where you could probably get the same results by not spending what you were spending before is on scouting. And so, you know, here you are as a tennis coach, you know, the, and you would, let's just say, because you and I haven't talked about this, but let's just say your, your, your modus operandi was to go out and watch tournaments and spend a lot of time weekends away on the courts, watching prospects. Um, and I thought, you know, it's travel, hotel, food and everything else. And that's across college athletics. What, I found in talking to coaches and really having them analyze it is that by watching video, they could get a, probably about the same type of, um, of scouting work done that they did by seeing that athlete live. In other words, when they went to see him live, a lot of times it didn't differ from what they saw on video. The other thing that was sort of a realization after I read the Malcolm Gladwell book, Blink, um, and many coaches have read that many yeah. people have read that because the, and if you haven't, the, the basic summary is that 
we spend way too much time across professions analyzing things instead of just doing it. So the, and, and through uh, study and research, the author basically made the point that you as an expert, I'm talking to you yeah. as a tennis coach or any coach out there, an expert in your field could probably watch a player for 10 minutes. If you really focused in for 10 minutes and make a grade or an assumption or a rating on him or her, and if you went out for three straight weekends, watched him compete, you would probably have, because you're an expert, the same takeaway of that. Now, okay, if that's true, why do coaches go out and, and scout? Well, there's two main reasons. And again, we get them to be honest with us when we do these yeah. focus group sessions with them. Because I love seeing my friends out there that I haven't seen. And you know, I get to hang out and, and yeah. go to dinner, and that's fun. Great, and I don't begrudge anybody for having fun. And number two, um, it's uh, it, it's something that allows me to uh, to maybe get to know something about the athlete, or there's you know something that the video didn't show me. Legitimate. Um, are there ways to replace that second that door number two? Yes, there is. You can you know schedule a time to to do Zoom calls. You can you know a lot of different ways to get to know them other than flying 2000 miles away and watching them for a weekend. So again, that would be what the, the first and probably the, the, the best way to eliminate unneeded expenses. Um, the other reason that it's done is because that's how it's always been done. I've always, my coach found, I've, I've watched coaches. I've been an assistant coach for years and now I've been a head coach. And so throughout this whole <laughs> profession, I've watched people go away and scout well and, and still go to the same tournaments they've been going for 40 years <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah, on our podcast the college recruiting weekly podcast we just our one of our most recent episodes was with a division two soccer coach gabe bolton who who kind of went through this transformation where he uh analyzed what he was doing realized that the core part of his group or his uh, team came from three clubs within a, I think it was a 50 or 80 mile radius of campus. And so what he eliminated as a soccer coach was going to surf cup in San Diego, which is a huge soccer tournament. Every college coach is supposed to go to surf cup. He stopped going and now he enjoys Thanksgiving at home <laughs> with his family. He doesn't spend that money, doesn't that time away. And he gets the same level of high quality athlete because he was never getting anybody from those tournaments. So in times like these where you have to have to be a little more efficient, analyze really truthfully where, what, what, what is the return on that investment that you're getting for that travel? And I would bet that you would change based on that alone. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a great answer. Some great, great tips there. Um, Dan, I don't want to take too much time um, of your day. Where can people find you if they want to hire you out, um, talk about a little bit more about the podcast, some newsletters? Um, how, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, I would say, first of all, most of the stuff that we give out to coaches is free or, or costs very, very little. Um, the, the website is dantutor.com, D-A-N-T-U-D-O-R.com. Um, we do workshops with athletic departments that so will come in and train a, uh, an athletic uh, staff. We do individual client recruiting work where we will team up with a coach and their staff and do research on what they need to do to recruit effectively within their program. We do all sorts of study and we will actually then help create the messaging that goes out to the, the athletes. It gets better responses. And so that whole efficiency is created. Um, 
We have the College Recruiting Weekly podcast, which you can find on most of the platforms, uh, email newsletter, the College Recruiting Weekly uh, newsletter that goes out by email. A lot of coaches get that. So, uh, and then a lot of stuff just again on the website that is free articles that go back, you know, research over the last 20 years that coaches can access. And uh, that, that's really the thing that we want to do to, um, to help them, is to give them those resources and, and be, be the place that if they're interested in getting training and, and really creating that efficiency and, and better results in recruiting, then we've, uh, we've, we've cracked some of that code, still working on the other part. It's, it's half art, half science, but um, the, the coaches that we work with experience some good results. So which is what we're happy with. Yeah, that's great. I'll link all those uh, in the show notes so people can, oh, can access it pretty, pretty easily. Then how can we be praying for you? Yeah, I was also just going to add real quick, too. If they just yep. want to ask a question, um, dan at dantutor.com. That's my go. direct email. And so it, it, they don't have to go sign up for anything. They can just ask a question, uh, even if they don't want to uh, you know, do direct work with us. Um, you know, as far as, as how to pray for me, and I appreciate that, um, you know, anytime you run a business, there's ups and downs. And, and uh, you know, you're always trying to figure out, you know, how to keep it growing, how, where, where should you be spending your, your time and effort? So that's an ongoing thing. I mean, anybody that's listening to this that has ever owned or does own a business understands that that never, that never goes away. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's, that's that. And, you know, I, you know, fortunately there's no health concerns. There's no, you know, crisis, you know, so, um, you know, so I'm, I'm always one and it's not, necessarily a strength and because you know we we all need to be more open but there's not i i don't usually go and i usually want to be the one that's that's doing the praying or that's you know <laughs> that's asked me how can i help how can yeah. i help them because i at this point don't you know i don't have any big um you know big pressing uh, needs other than just you know maybe the opportunity to reach the right coaches and not just from a, a christian perspective but just the coaches that need help because I know, you know, one of the things that has meant a lot is, you know, coaches that have told us we saved their careers or, you know, they were about to get fired and, and now they're, now they're thriving. And so, you know, if, if we can be in front of more of those coaches, then that would probably be my, my prayer. And um, yeah. And, you know, and then just for a larger scale, you know, everything that goes on in our country and, and the world and, you know, that, uh, that God would have his hand in, in all of that. All right, Lord, let's close out in prayer then. Yeah, thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for Dan taking the time to to talk with us and share so much wisdom about recruiting and college athletics. Um, Father, I pray that you guide Dan here as he makes decisions about his business, um, financial decisions, uh, growth decisions. Lord, that, that you place the right kind of coaches in front of him so that he can make an impact um, in their lives, in their careers, um, and sometimes in their families by, by helping them find ways to, to do a good job where, where they're at. Um, Lord, thank you for Dan's willingness to, to help. Um, and Lord, um, just, just be with all of us that we may glorify you and honor you in everything we do. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 That was awesome. I, uh, I'm thankful that Dan came on to, to share with us and just so impressed by the work that he does and, and personally just thankful for for him 
his services and, and his staff, uh, Dan Christensen, the other others there uh, do a fantastic job. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed um, just hearing back about the some of the basics on just helping a recruit know why they should choose your school and that it's not pushy, it's not mean, it's just stating um, stating your beliefs and then it's for them to choose in the end. And, and I like what he said too on uh, just having a big net, um, you know, picking 20 schools to start talking to. You never know where God might be leading. And, and I see too many high school players just say, I'm going to these two schools. This is my number one dream. And if it doesn't work out, then they're steps behind on that recruiting process. So 100% uh, lo- love that from Dan. Yeah, I liked, you know, his tips for the high school coaches as well. When we have a lot of high school coaches that listen to it, uh, to our podcast, Chad, how not to use their bias towards their 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 future player or their players uh, going to college and just saying, oh, you should go to these schools because I have connections, but really encourage their players to seek out all different types of universities because you never know when you're going to make a connection with a coach that you never heard of or a university you never heard of. That's what happened with me and Liberty, for example. I cast a very wide net and connected with Coach Johnson and um, and ended up that I'm still here 13 years later. Um, so it's it's important for us to keep that in mind. And even um, college coaches who have um, connections in the business world or out in the real world, in quotations, um, to, to not put biases towards the players graduating and just guide them through certain places. Uh, let them go out and experience the world for themselves. And just on the budget side too, I even just for you and me, Gian, you know, I'm at a smaller NI school. I don't have the budget to take the trip. So it's been a lot of YouTube using videos, um, trusting instincts and trusting agents. And uh, just that comparison or the D1s, you guys can, can travel a, a bit more than us. So I enjoyed that tip as well on how to, how to uh, save a little money in, in these uh, tough times on budgets. Yeah, Chad, um, this was a great episode. I, I love getting to talk to Dan. Um, Coach, next week's episode is going to be the last episode that we post until the fall. We're taking a little summer break, but we have an incredible guest who had an awesome season um, in the fall, and we can't wait for you to hear that as well. Thank you to Dan again. I'll post all the links uh, for his website, um, social media on the show notes. So if you want to reach out to him, you can. And uh, coach, always remember, the mission field is right where you're at.